All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. Football is back. NFL Week 1 is officially in the books, and there's no better time to overreact to everything you see on the field than after just one game. And we'll be doing that for all of the action from this week, all 16 games, starting with the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers victory over the Dallas Cowboys on opening night to the wild Monday night football game that we saw between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Baltimore Ravens and everything in between. We'll give some of our biggest overreactions to what we saw in the field in the first set of games and how our thoughts maybe have changed looking ahead to the rest of the season for some of the 32 teams. Finally, we'll conclude this episode mostly about football, but we'll wrap it up with a personal fun segment to end the show. So with that, let's get started. NFL week one is in the books, 16 games. We're going to get to them. Uh, before we do that, I do have a couple of quick things to kind of get out of the way. So we can talk about some quick non-NFL stuff. Let's start with college football. Big weekend for the Gamecocks. My South Carolina Gamecocks came back from down 14 nothing to beat East Carolina. Probably closer than we would have liked, but held on for the 20-17 uh, to 17 victory on a late field goal. Not just South Carolina Gamecocks, Jacksonville State Gamecocks pulled out a huge upset of Florida State, also 20-17, to for the first loss for Florida State against a non-major college football program since 1961. So you're shaking my, uh, your head. I know that you saw No, this. no, no. I was just saying my, my cousin went to Jacksonville State. Oh, really? I have I've, uh, have relatives that live in Jacksonville, Alabama, and I've, I've uh, been there several times. So and, and I've seen the field as well. So yeah, that's that's cool. They uh yeah they they won on a fifty nine yard touchdown as time expired. I did see and, that. And yeah, so the game, the, the 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 game itself, you know, Florida State losing like that is going, you know, viral. I guess it's among the ranks of uh you know college football fans. But also, did you see what happened after the game involving one of the Florida State players? Yeah, wasn't there a fight? There was a was proposal there? on the field. Oh, there was a proposal. No. Yeah, one of the that. Florida State <laughs> players proposed to his girlfriend. With Jacksonville State players still celebrating in the background. Wow, that's that's brutal. See, it's getting a lot of hate, but like honestly, I kind of love the move. I mean, obviously going you, into you, it, you don't expect it. No, when going into it, he had to have had it planned, and it's like, all right, you got to do it. But it's like, first of all, if you're Florida State in 2021, you don't expect yourself to beat many teams. Um, you know, and you're gonna choose the FCS school unfortunate that it happened after a loss but like i don't know for this guy he's gonna have like a great 
moment here. Like he's going to pretend like that didn't even happen. You know, everyone else in the locker room was like, man, I can't believe we just lost. Like that's horrible. He's like, I don't know. I kind of had a pretty good night because he just got engaged. So I think that's a great I, way I guess, to kind of make I guess up that, for it. I guess that makes sense. But if, if you're Carlos Correa and it's game seven of the World Series and you propose to your girlfriend losing the World Series, I don't know yeah, if I'd love that. I mean, that. I think so. <laughs> so it may, I guess it's not that bad if it's the second game of a regular season and you lose than losing game seven of the World Series. Yeah. Who was it? Ian Johnson, the Boise State player who proposed I do to remember his girlfriend that one. Yeah, right he, after scoring the touchdown. Yeah, against, was it Oklahoma in a yeah. bowl game? I yeah. don't think he would. I think that's a spur-of-the-moment decision. I don't think he would have done that otherwise. But if you haven't planned right. out, you know, that's one of those, all right, we lost to Jacksonville State on a heartbreaking game-winning touchdown as time expired. Can't get any worse than this, right? Hey, babe, you want to get married now? So I think uh, I, I applaud the move on his part, and I, I think that anyone who's kind of roasting him is I think, like, I think when you a little first... too over the top. I think just hearing it at first, it sounds bad. Yeah. Oh, I had. It's probably not. It's probably not as bad as. No, I I mean, when you think about it, you're like, all right, that's uh, that's a good way to get over a really terrible day. So uh, make something of that night. Also, um, U.S. Open final, Daniil Medvedev beats Novak Djokovic, denies him of the season Grand Slam. I was thrilled about that, but I'm again, I'm sure he'll just break the record in the Australian Open next year. Yeah, I uh, I was happy when I saw that Novak Djokovic did not win, but he's... Uh, it's really just delaying in the inevitable yeah, as well. Yeah, I know. He definitely recovered from uh, that 2020 of his. He, he heard me say that he was the biggest loser of the year, and then yeah. he was like, all right, I'm going to go dominate in 2021. Yeah. So anyway, let's get into the NFL action now. So we're going to talk about all 16 games, give our overreactions, our biggest takeaways, only one game. This really isn't going to make or break any team season, but it's easy to maybe think that some of our preconceived notions about teams would change um, based on the performances we saw over the past few days. And let's get started with Thursday night. Opening kickoff night, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defending Super Bowl champs, taking on a Dallas Cowboys team that had high expectations last year, had their season derailed by a terrible defense and a terrible injury to quarterback Dak Prescott. Some questions of how he would look, really questions of whether he'd even play in this one. And he came out through for 400 yards. Cowboys went toe-to-toe with the Bucs. Ultimately, Tampa ended up pulling it out 31-29 to on a last-second field goal. So... I think that one of the biggest overreactions you have is are the Dallas Cowboys a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Uh I don't I don't know about that, but I think they're certainly still even after losing to the Bucks, I still I certainly think that they're still a division contender. I mean, especially since there are definitely some teams that aren't as good or are dealing with injuries already. And so I think I think the Cowboys even though in a loss there's some sort of a moral victory, and I know that sounds like a, such a loser take, but I didn't expect the Cowboys to win that game, and they actually came down to the wire. It came down to a last-second field goal by Suckup to for the Bucks to to win that game, and Dak was surgical in that in Thursday night. I mean, he he was arguably the best player on the field uh, with just given the gruesome ankle injury he had last season and his his uh, in, shoulder injury having to go to the Texas Rangers of all places to to get it looked at and so a lot of us had 
had concerns about if he's going to be good to go, and he looked as good as ever. Are you just afraid to speak too highly of the Cowboys after your uh, your take went horribly wrong last season? That's part of it, yeah. But I, I mean, I do. I still like the Cowboys to win the division, and I I still think they're fun to watch offensively. And uh, it's what it's what you always say when it's a team that you like, uh, cautiously optimistic. Yeah. So I think um, it. A lot of people expected the Cowboys to not only lose this game but lose in a blowout. I think yeah, Tampa I was thought, like a nine point favorite. Yeah, I thought it'd be it. a, I thought it'd be something like that. Yeah, so the fact that it came down to the wire, and in some ways you could say Dallas should have won this game. Uh, the you know the Bucks turned it over I think four times. Yeah, a couple they tur- bad fumbles and interceptions. Yeah, they turned it over. They turned it over four times in that game. the 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 Bucks became the first team in NFL history to lose. The turnover battle by three, commit 100-plus penalty yards, and allow 450 total yards in a win. Yeah, so everything, that I guess a lot of things went wrong for the Buccaneers. The Cowboys also, it was a tough showing for Greg Zerline, missing a 31-yard field goal and an extra point. An extra point. Those could have easily been the difference. Uh, And then, of course, late in the game, Chris Godwin, who fumbled through the end zone or like at the goal line, um, yeah, the the, the Bucks made a, so many. They made so many mistakes in that game. It reminded me of the Bucks last year, beginning last season, where yeah, Brady's there and they got all his talent, but they're not a smart team. And it showed in this game that there's. <laughs> it showed last uh, Thursday that it's kind of similar to the beginning of last season, where they're just making all these mistakes, even with all this talent on their team. Do you think that uh, Chris Godwin got away with a push off and an OPI? On that, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think was it Diggs, Quandre Diggs. I, I forgot don't who it was, who but the defender was. whoever whoever the defender was, he kind of sold it a little bit. But I can, I can see why it looked like offensive pi. But I can see it either way. It's something that's definitely been called before. Uh, I think just last year in Week One, Michael Gallup was called for offensive pass interference in a I remember situation. That. So that's certainly one that could have also gone Dallas's way there and uh, that set up the short field goal to to win it for the Bucs. But ultimately, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm feeling pretty optimistic um, moving forward with this, given that the team went toe-to-toe with the Bucs, who a lot of people are predicting to go back to the Super Bowl after winning it all last season. So, um, I mean, if you did have to overreact to the Cowboys, I think it's totally fair to say that this team isn't just like okay they're they're the best team in the nfc east they're gonna make the playoffs but this is a team that can be a legitimate contender in that entire conference and there are some really good teams in the nfc so as long yeah. as and here's the thing the defense like yeah it looks shaky but there's a lot of new parts to that defense i think it's kind of expected that it would take a while but if the defense can continue to improve every week and the offense stays playing well stays healthy which there's already some concerns. Michael Gallup out three to five weeks. Lael Collins suspended five weeks. Those could certainly be a big hit to the offense. But I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that the Cowboys are going to be very good this season, just based on what we saw Thursday night against the Bucs. Yeah, I mean, certainly debatable what what they can do in January if they get there, but I, I, I still feel confident that they can get out of the division. So speaking of moral victories... Me and I'm sure a lot of Steelers fans went into this season hoping for a moral victory against the Buffalo Bills uh, in week one, going on the road against a team with 
top four Super Bowl odds, someone who a lot of people are expecting to not just compete for a Super Bowl, but actually even win the Super Bowl. And the Steelers went into Buffalo. They ended up pulling out a 23-16 to 16 victory. So, Brian, coming into the season, you said the Steelers. Yeah, I already were, know where you're You said that, that they would like, finish below oh, 500, suck. miss yeah, the playoffs. And they win, they win, so they win week one. Here's what and, I want to say is, what is your takeaway? Like, what is your thoughts, given what you saw, or, you know, with the Steelers going into Buffalo and winning? Does that change anything at all? No, I mean, it doesn't change anything, but is it a good win? Yeah, of course it is. They beat a team that I think is better than them, and they did it on the road, and yeah, the Bills are supposed to regress this year a little bit, but it's still impressive when you only give up 16 points. Was it 16 points? 16 to the, to points. The, yeah, 16 points to a team that was one of the best teams on offense last year. And so, uh, yeah, it's a good win. I th- But I think the Steelers, I think that the, they have to win games. For them to make the playoffs, I think they have to win more games defensively this year than offensively. I think... I, I I liked how they performed defensively, especially getting a touchdown. Now I know that was special teams, but it's still still kind of the same thing. And uh, I I just don't trust Ben to stay healthy for all sixteen seventeen games this year. And I I like I like some of their pieces, like I said before, but that's that's still a concern for me for for them for Ben to last all seventeen games. But defensively. Bud Dupree is a loss. That's not even opinion. That's a fact that he's a loss for their defense, but maybe I overrated their losses a little bit and they can still be a top five, 10 defense, whatever, something like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a good win. And, but it, it doesn't change my overall view on the Steelers still. Defense was definitely the biggest factor in this game. Uh, they were, I mean, there were questions, of course, about how the offense would hold up, the offensive line, whatever, which we'll get to. But defensively, there were some losses, like you mentioned, with Bud Dupree. But Alex Highsmith had a very promising rookie season, especially down the stretch filling in for Dupree after he tore his ACL. And Melvin Ingram, a veteran who was signed, there is a lot of you know, expectations for him to be a great depth pass rusher. And, of course, you had T.J. Watt, all those questions about his contract, what he even play in this game, how that would happen. That ended up getting resolved, and he proved to be totally worth the money. And the pass rush was huge in this game. TJ Watt, two sacks, five quarterback uh, wait, hits, hold, hold on. fumble. Pro- prove Melvin to be worth Ingram the money. It's, was... one, it's one game. I what mean, do you mean? Like, prove, yeah. prove to be it's one game. I, I know. Mean, it's one game against one I of mean, the top I mean, Khalil Mack got this giant, giant contract. If I said he was worth it after one game, then yeah, then he was amazing in his first game, but... Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're overreacting the week one here. And TJ Watt came out and he showed that, hey, yeah, this is like he should be should should be should be crowned the Steelers division champions after week one as well. No, kind of like how we crowned you crowned the Steelers as Super Bowl champions after week ten last year or whatever after going ten and zero and then all of a sudden they sucked the rest of the way. I, I don't never, know, just, I never crowned them. As I Super know, Bowl but champions. you acted I like they said, were going. No, I still up. said the Chiefs were better than them last year, and I'm not gonna. Go like the the pass rush. They blitzed twice on fifty four plays this year or this game. After blitzing on like forty percent of plays last year, they it was just the that four man front like whatever they had there, whether it was Watt or Ingram or Highsmith or Cam Hayward. Like they those defensive players up front were. I mean, they were basically unstoppable in this one. Now, I don't know. Is the Bills' offensive line the best in the league? No, but the 
TJ Watt was huge in this game after not practicing all season. I have to believe he's going to continue to play well and even be better as the season goes on as he gets more practice, more reps than he had. Melvin Ingram was a force in this. I mean, he's someone who I didn't really know what to expect from him as a 32-year-old pass rusher. And he was running, and at times it looked like he was a 23-year-old, just the way that he was getting after the Bills, you know, getting after Josh Allen. The Bills, I think, had six holding penalties, uh, four of which were accepted. So that was the only way that they were able to stop the pass rush was by holding on to guys and, uh, you know, hoping it didn't get called. So, yeah, when I look at the Steelers' defense in this one, I don't think that there should be really a whole lot of concerns. I mean, you're talking about a Buffalo Bills offense is one of the best in the league, one of the best that they'll face this season. As long as guys stay healthy, which was a big issue last year, losing Devin Bush and eventually Bud Dupree, I do think the Steelers should still be a top five defense. Yeah, they, yeah, they 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 look great defensively, but offensively, they're still they got they got off to a really slow start. There's still room to grow on offense. I know not scoring in the first half is not a good thing. It took forever for the offensive line to have any kind of you know positive. When when uh, so I told you before we start recording that. I went to the Patriots game on Sunday because Kenny got me an extra ticket, and we were tailgating during the 1 o'clock games, and I was looking on Kenny's phone watching the game he was watching, and there was a big TV outside the stadium uh, showing another game, and it was the Steelers-Bills game, and it was just a punt fest in the the first half. Eight of the first 10 drives of the game were punts, and the other two that weren't punts, one of them resulted in a field goal because... The Bills got this huge return and only gained a few yards, and then the other one resulted in a fumble. So it was just a mess on both sides of the both both teams uh, offensively to start the game. But yeah, so the Sears got to a slow start offensively, but in the fourth quarter, uh, their defense showed up. But also Claypool made a nice catch, and Deontay had that great catch in the end zone after getting injured. So yeah, slow start, but uh, a good a good win, uh, especially coming back late. Took the offense a while to get going. Yeah, the first half was not great. Um, you know, the Bills' defense was good. They, <laughs> I mean, Najee Harris, seven carries for eight yards in the first quarter. The offensive line just stood no chance against those guys. But as soon as they, they just made enough plays in the second half to be able to drive down the field, two short field goals, finally punch it in for a touchdown. Like you said, the Deontay Johnson score, which was an unbelievable catch. I was still shocked that he was able to get his get two feet down off the tip but yeah I mean look I'm gonna come out of this feeling good about the Steelers performance going into Buffalo winning I feel great about the defense the offense is still a work in progress but if the offense can be just good enough that they're able to pull this one out like you know win games because of the second half performance even just one quarter is all it takes with the defense then uh, I certainly have reasons to believe that the Steelers can get back to the playoffs this year. I'm not going to go so, so even crazy though, with even it. Though we, um, even though you're higher on the Steelers than I am, we both kind of agree that it's really that their their defense is the one that probably has to carry them this year or be the bigger difference maker in games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so, just based on the offensive line. If the offensive line can figure itself out and you know they can gel together as the season goes along, continuity is a huge part of it then the offense can you know do enough that the defense doesn't have to be perfect, which they were pretty close to in this one. 11 drives, just the one touchdown drive at the end of the first half. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the offense, there's still certainly some question marks to this one. That's why it's like, okay, you know, are they going to continue to, 
uh, just get bailed out by the defense and make enough plays late, or is there going to be some games where the offense is just terrible and the defense just can't hold up on its own? And that was the reason why the Steelers lost a lot of games down the stretch was that the defense was just so worn down by the end of the season. So that's the thing that the offense needs to avoid is not doing enough to keep the defense off the field because eventually it's it's just not going to be able to hold up. You know, week one, you can get away with that, but maybe not in week 12 or week you know 15 down the stretch. All right, let's move on. Let's continue with our one o'clock games. Uh, that was a good point. I, I forgot to mention you were at the Patriots games this uh, weekend, so you were tailgating during most of the one o'clock games. I was driving with my family back from Pennsylvania for the start of the one o'clock games, so I I was keeping up mostly on ESPN GameCast, uh, you know, for the first two and a half, three quarters of these. I but, mean, you didn't miss anything in the first half, so it didn't. Well, didn't not even just that, just like all the games in general. But oh, I, that's true. You know, yeah. just just want to clarify that if there's any any big thing in the first or second quarter that we uh you know maybe don't accurately discuss. But let's uh let's do our best here because I do think we watched enough highlights and you know enough of the action following along on our phones to be able to talk about these games well enough. And let's uh let's talk about the. Cardinals and the Titans. So you mentioned Bud Dupree. He left the Steelers in free agency to go to the Titans. And I thought him on defense, as well as the addition of Julio Jones on offense, would be huge for the Titans coming into the season. And after this one game, I guess I'm ready to do a total 180 on this Titans team. And the flip side, the Cardinals, I think that when we had our podcast with um, Ben for the NFC West preview, all four of us were like, yeah, well, the Cardinals are the fourth best team in this division, and they looked really good in this one. So Yeah, I, 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 it's like what I said last time, yeah, that if the Cardinals were in other divisions, I, I can definitely see them as a playoff team. It's just that they're in a division with the with the Rams, Niners, and Seahawks, where it's hard to see, hard to imagine that they can make the postseason, but they're obviously off to a good start. So I thought you were kind of crazy when you said that the uh, AFC South wouldn't have a team above 500. I, I kept beating down that take as a terrible one. I'm not going to go that far, but I do you think know, I need no, to walk I, back even, the title. Even tour. I know deep down it's probably over-exaggeration, but I really don't like any of the teams in this division. The Texans and Jags we'll get to later. I don't like either of them for good reason. The Colts and Titans, they're... It's definitely between those two, and I think both of those teams have are, have talent, but also weakness, glaring weaknesses on their yeah, teams. Yeah, and one thing I didn't really consider with the Titans was uh, the loss of Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, become the head yeah. coach of the Falcons. And I don't know if that was what factored into this, but the Titans' offense looked horrible in this yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not going to overreact in terms of their offense. I mean, I have minor concerns about their offense, uh, I'm a little concerned about Derrick Henry just given his usage over the years. Of course, Derrick Henry's great, but he's had so many touches uh, with the football over the... for only 58 yards in this one. Not yeah, something he that was, we're used he was, to from him. Yeah, he was not great in this in this game. And then Julio, he's definitely boomer bust uh, given this point in his career and going to a new team. But yeah, obviously not to a great start. And the the penalty that he had, the, the unsportsmanlike, was completely outrageous. Uh, I don't blame Vrabel whatsoever for getting pissed for that, even though it's his debut and he's a veteran and all that. He rightfully uh, trashed him after 
after the game. And then, yeah, uh, Arthur Smith, like I mentioned before when we talked about the AFC South and the Titans, that I'm not, I'm not. I'm not major majorly concerned about that loss, but it is it is a little bit concerning not having or having a new OC. So, yeah, I, I have some concerns about their offense, but I mean it's it it's one week. I'm sure their offense will still be fine. I mean, we've gone back and forth about Tannehill, and uh, I mean he's actually like the last of my worries. I think he'll still be, I think he'll still be good. I mean the offensive line didn't help him at all he got sacked five times by Chandler Jones and yeah and then yeah he didn't get help from any, much help from any of his weapons but I think I think him and the, their offense will be fine I'm way more concerned like I mentioned before about their defense their defense their defense was brutal at the end of last year they gave up so many points they gave up 36 and 38 to Houston 40 to Green Bay 41 to Cleveland 26 to Indy, 34 to Indy again. They just gave up so many points last year. They gave up the second most passing touchdowns uh, at, in 2020. And and then, yeah, they're already up to a bad start, giving up four touchdown passes to Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray had a field day against this Titans defense. It, it was incredible some of the plays he made. Like, there was this one where he was just escaping the pass rush. I know Bud Dupree was involved, some other guys, and he just kind of somehow finds, I believe it was... Um, I don't think it was Hopkins, but he, he found someone for uh, Christian Kirk. Christian, maybe? Was it Christian Kirk on, on third and, and ten? And, and it, it was it was incredible some of the plays he was making. And I, I see I'm I'm looking at it where I'm like the defense played kind of somewhat how I expected. Whereas like again that when you have a bunch of moving parts like the Titans did, you expect them to be better in the long run, but maybe struggle in the short term. Now I think it looks much worse when you lose thirty eight to thirteen, but. They did, uh, you know, the offensive line didn't really do them any favors for the Titans. I think they set up the, you know, their defense in bad spots, especially on that strip sack early in the game where. It so, looked you, like, so you kind of, you kind of expected the Titans to give up some points. You just thought it'd be more of a shootout. And I, yes, I, oh, I thought, sure. be, I thought it'd be more of a shootout too. Yeah, I mean, instead of a thirty-eight to thirteen loss, I kind of expected this one to be like a thirty-one twenty-seven victory, where it's, it's, you know, it's just, both offenses were doing what they can. It's just that what I mentioned with how many points they gave up last season to these teams, some of those games that they won those games, but I just feel like at some point it's going to catch up to them playing that poorly on defense, particularly in the secondary. If their defense plays like they did last season, I don't think that the Titans have any reason to believe they can do anything more than just win the division, get a four seed, and lose which, in the first round. My expectation is, for this which team... Which is obviously my expectation. Yeah, and my expectation has been that the defense would be better, that the the money they spent, the guys they brought in, would improve things. And if I had to overreact, um, you know, the defense, I, I'm not as worried about because i do think that they're going to turn it around so that's why my overreaction is more on the offense and just how bad they look especially the offensive line the tackles taylor Luan did not have a great game i know chandler jones is one of the best pass rushers in the league but you you can't let your team get absolutely your quarterback get harassed he, he like came he out did. He, he did come out on twitter and say i'm glad Chandler Jones exposed me. I got to get better. So there's definitely some motivation for some of these guys, like not just Taylor Lewan, but also Julio for acting like a jackass in his first game with the Titans and hearing it from his coach. I'm sure he'll be motivated to to prove otherwise since he did not perform well whatsoever in his first game. It's not a good look to uh, have a podcast and go out and play horribly in week one, be like one of the worst players in the league. So I'm curious if... Uh, He'll be doing less uh, 
less podcasting and more just focusing on his uh, career and his and, and football game. They have now. they they have a tough stretch uh, in the beginning part of their season in terms of high flying offenses. Week two they face Seattle. Yep. They they already look good, and of course Seattle always gets off to hot starts and let Russ cook. And then week six they face Buffalo. Week seven. Kansas City, Week Nine, the Rams, and Week Ten, the Saints. It get, and the list goes on. They, they they have some work to do on def- defensively. So we're both concerned about the Titans, but just we we have bigger concerns one way or the other in terms of offense and defense. Yeah, I do think that uh, you know the Titans are going to figure this out. They're going to have to turn it around pretty quickly, like you said. That is a tough schedule. Um, let's move on though to our next game, and let's stay within the AFC South. And the Houston Texans, a team that a lot of people were expecting to be the worst in the league, some going as far as 0-17, it didn't take very long for them to get their first win. And I'm just going to go right out and say it. Overreaction? Uh, is, are we sure Urban Meyer is going to be coaching this team for much longer? Oh, so um, I'm so, so glad that you said this because it's week one and... I j- I don't want to be I don't want to overreact to some good or bad things, but my biggest overreaction for sure is as long as Urban Meyer is the head coach, they're gonna ruin Trevor Lawrence. Oh, <laughs> I I I, yeah. I I hope I hope that they can get rid of Urban Meyer as quickly as possible. I thought I said before that in the short term it the the move could work but in the long term it definitely wouldn't work now i don't think it'll work at all no i i I think that we were pretty quick to overlook um how that transition would go and just be like oh they signed all these guys in free agency they drafted trevor lawrence like they're gonna be a great team this year and we we element like i thought i mean with trevor lawrence i'd imagine that they'll be better they only won one game last year so they gotta get better and being in a bad division they they i thought you know what they could win Five, six, seven games, what something cool. in that range, but uh, I don't know. It's we just, were all thinking losing like, the maybe Texans. be a playoff team, possibly. <laughs> like, just there's a huge how... difference between okay, you went one and fifteen, you're gonna get better by going five and twelve, and you're gonna compete for one of the seven playoff spots. So, I think that uh, that that's something where I'm pumping the brakes on. Very well. I, well, I, what I was thinking was that the Jags could. I don't want to say win the division, of course, but be in that mix where. Kind of like the NFC East last year, like I said, where the three of the four teams or maybe all of them were in the mix for most of the season with losing records. And that's kind of how I saw the Jags uh, for the season. I still, that still could be the case, but Jesus, one game in and you lose to the Texans. And not just and, and, and not even And not even out. close. Yeah. It wasn't even close. It's just, uh, just a horrible performance. And there are already rumors circling yeah. about Meyer. There are already rumblings about how people don't, like urban meyer already it's yeah, one like, week in i know and like there i don't know how much of these like reports i'm seeing are made up versus real but uh i, the I Reddit, can believe him reddit he's college football some... twitter said apparently there are sources that he's thinking about resigning because his heart's just not in it and that he's just already like unhinged and that players are afraid to talk to him because they don't know what's going to happen and then of course all this comes out as the Southern Cal job opens up, which he's been rumored for for years. They finally fire Clay Helton. So now there are thoughts that uh, is he just going to quit right away? Like not even last as long as Saban did in Miami or Bobby Petrino at uh I barely even remembered that <laughs> Petrino with the the Falcons. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I think it's kind of crazy he, to say he's, he's, he's going to quit after two games or whatever, but 
Yeah, it 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 looks like it's gonna get bad in a hurry. He's made he's made some really questionable decisions too. Like he hired Doyle. Was it Chris Doyle? Yeah, the, the Iowa the, the, strength and condition coach. Yeah, who apparently is really racist, and so of course he had to get rid of him after after hiring him. And then he picked up Tim Tebow, of course, which was a disaster. Was whatever, just giving then, his buddy a chance yeah. to get back to the NFL. But yeah, but it's. I'm not, I'm not I wasn't a fan of the hire just I I don't I'm not into college coaches long-time college coaches all of a sudden just going to the NFL and just I don't it, it's not a good thing mesh. with Myers he's retired like four times already like he just keeps he, yeah he's like all right, I'm retired <laughs> nope I'm ready to come back in and do another coaching job so it's it's uh certainly a questionable one I thought Jacksonville was the best spot for a new head coach and they went out and hired Urban Meyer and I thought immediately this is going to be a disaster and then I convinced myself that they they had a solid enough roster to I compete didn't, and I didn't think it would I didn't think it'd work, but I'm I'm actually still surprised by how quickly it's not. Yeah. Working. Oh, that. I mean, I I think that. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, the part that's long term. Uh, you know, certainly yeah. more. Like than when I say long term, I mean I mean like yeah. a few years or whatever. Not uh, like he's gonna have the job for ten plus years. Yeah. Or anything. Um. On the flip side, this is what I kept trying to say about the Texans. They have too many veterans to go zero and seventeen. Like they would be competitive. They'd find ways to win games, and. Yeah, I know it's the Jaguars, and we've been talking about how much a mess they are, but this was still a game that everyone is like, oh, Jacksonville's going to come in, get off to this hot start, Houston's terrible, and then they come out, they, they're up 14 nothing in the first quarter. They're up 34-7 early in the third quarter. Like, It was just a great performance by Terod Taylor at quarterback. Uh, Danny Amendola, Mark Ingram, David Johnson, uh, Philip Lindsay, those are the guys who scored touchdowns. Those are all veteran guys. They're not young players. And that's kind of what the issue is with Houston and their approach is that it's probably doesn't make a lot of sense to them to go six and 11 and get the seventh overall pick. Like, I think everyone's like, oh, the Texans should be terrible. They should be trying to get their quarterback of the future. And uh, I think it's it's easy to kind of see now why maybe their moves are like, okay, they're going to be better than expected. But is that really a good thing? No, <laughs> I mean, I'll admit, like I thought, I was probably one of those people that I thought I thought the Jags would win this game just because I, I'm I'm lower than you on the Texans. I mean, not not that you can really be high on the Texans, but I didn't think they'd go 0 and 17. But I thought I still think that even after a win, I still think that they're one of the worst rosters, and I still think that they'll have the number one pick next year. But definitely a good start though to get get that win out of the way and not have everyone saying oh they're going to go in 17 and having all this pressure i think they're a four and 13 team i think they're going to find a way to win a couple more games this season i think it's going to end up being a bad thing in the long run if they uh end up missing out on a potential great quarterback uh all right and i guess you know on the topic of teams competing for the number one overall pick the team that i thought heading into the season running up with the number one overall pick was the detroit lions and so they, they faced the San Francisco 49ers, uh, don't get off to a great start. And so I, I watched this game. I was keeping up with it, but I, I couldn't help myself later at night trying to think of how are we going to overreact to this one and posing the question, are the 49ers better than we thought? Or the Lions or the 49ers worse than we thought? The Lions better than we thought? And I was looking at the box score and that's when it occurred to me that, you know, not only did the Lions make a comeback from down 41 to 17, it was 41 to 17 at the two minute warning. And this game came down to the Lions turning the ball over just outside the red zone. It was just a wild finish to this one. Should have never been this close. I mean, even if you look at the, the game cast, I don't think that 
if they ever got within a 90 per, or you know 10% chance of winning on the Lions and 90% chance of losing on the 49ers end. So to me, it's just, all right, the Lions, maybe they'll find a way to be competitive, but I'm not going to overreact and say, oh, they're this better team than we think we are. Or, oh, let's watch over the 49ers. I think it was just a fluky finish where the 49ers let off the gas. Yeah, it, it was definitely a fluky finish. I mean, we're we're on opposite sides where I think the Texans are still worse and I think the Lions will be the second worst and then you're vice versa. But still, we're... <laughs> We're not exactly high on the Detroit Lions whatsoever, and I mean, yeah, and and then for San Fran, they look they look pretty good. I mean, it's it's only one game, and it was against one of the worst teams. But Jimmy Garoppolo, after being injured last season again, he's off to a good start, and who knows what the plan will be uh, at, at quarterback for the Niners this year? Whether if it's trading Garoppolo eventually or just keep him for the season if Lance isn't ready. We just see Trey Lance in this one. He threw a touchdown pass on his uh his first Yeah, he pass. threw a touch the first yeah. touchdown. So uh I I don't know what the plan is for Kyle Shanahan in terms of Lance's involvement beyond this, but I I think he's made it clear that he wants to give him some opportunities out there while still sticking with Jimmy as the main quarterback. Look, if you face a bad team, the expectation is that you're going to win. 49ers should have won this game by a lot. Uh, you know, it came down as they gave they, up an they, onside they, kick. They were up by yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was one of those things where, it's like, a- okay, the Lions were able to get back into it, give them a scare at the end, but the 49ers had a big enough lead. And 58 minutes into the game, this is a blowout. Debo Samuel, huge game, nine catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown, and then almost blows it with a, a key fumble on that uh, third and 12 where it looks like he was about to pick up a first down. So certainly a, uh, you know, closer score than the game really indicated, but ultimately the 49ers, yeah, they, they, they did what they needed to do. And this kind of goes back to the Cardinals where it's like, Hey, they're the, you know, we thought they'd be the fourth best team in the division. And yeah, they, they go out and blow out the tight ends, but look at the rest of the division. You get these teams also winning games, 49ers being one of them. So I'm not going to sit here and kind of question the Niners because of what happened in the final two minutes in Detroit. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not either. There's, I'd imagine that they'll still be really good and uh, and maybe get Ayuk more involved. <laughs> he only played half, yeah, the, he didn't, he he only didn't played half the snaps and he didn't even get targeted. And, yeah, and then I'd imagine Mostert will be a loss, but at the same time, uh, Elijah Mitchell looked fine. and Yeah, he's officially done for the season. He's going to have surgery. Trey Sermon, their third-round pick, he was inactive in this game. Yeah, that, that, what, what was a, <laughs> what was? I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't hear too much about it. I don't. I think he was a healthy scratch. I don't know if. No, he was. I'm wondering why though. Like, what? I don't know either. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, yeah, Elijah Mitchell was able to come in. I've never even heard of him. 19 carries under four yards of the touchdown. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the third, who's the third running string running back, back is the one that ended up getting all the all the carries and yards. Yeah, so I I think the 49ers will be fine. Jason Verrett could be a tough loss on defense. Uh, that's someone that, that's hard to see because he's someone who's dealt with injuries so much oh, to this uh, point in his career. Plenty, Finally yeah. has a great season where he's healthy last year and tears his ACL week one the following season. So that could certainly be a tough one for the Niners. Uh, you know, ben, we were talking to him yesterday. His bold prediction was uh, the 49ers would stay healthy this year. That's already looking like he might be uh, too bold, but... They, uh, you know, as long as most of the guys do stay healthy and on the field for most of the season, they should certainly be back into that Super Bowl contentious status that they were two years ago. Um, and I guess just one thing I'll say to the Lions, as much as I'm not going to overreact to them making this one close, I do think they showed a lot of heart and, uh, you know, 
there might be some some positives to take away from making uh, a comeback like they did and making the, a game that should have not been close at all look like it. Their receiver group, it's the worst in the league. <laughs> the, and yet your guy Jared Goff threw 338 their best, yards. Their best offensive options, and this is not even including the box score. This is even before the week one game. Their best options on offense are TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and they all, they Tight all, all three backs. of them are the ones that end up carrying the offense. While their their wide receivers are just non-existent. Yeah, that is incredible. Twenty four catches for like a hundred eighty yards between those three guys and the receivers didn't even combine for anywhere close to that. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next game. And well, actually, one of the games that I think. Back in May when the schedule came out, everyone was really excited for this one. And I don't know if it totally lived up to the hype. Panthers, Jets, uh, Sam Darnold got off to a pretty solid start in this one in the first half. Carolina, 16 nothing at the half. Zach Wilson, some struggles. In the end, this wound up being a 19-14 final score with the Jets getting back into it. And I think my biggest takeaway on this one is... The Jets made the right decision in moving on from Sam Darnold and drafting Zach Wilson. That, that's a good takeaway. I, I mean... I talked about how out of the five quarterbacks that were drafted this year, I did say that if I had to pick one guy that's most likely to be a bust, it'd be Zach Wilson. But honestly, I think I think all five guys, including Zach Wilson, will will be fine. And I, I think one way to look at Zach Wilson is just the team he's on, and just knowing that's, that's, how that's Sam the, Darnold. That's a major reason why it's just because yeah, he's on I the mean, Jets, and he played at BYU, and I I don't really know, didn't really know too much about him, and so that's why I went with him. Yeah, Darnold uh, didn't really have a ton of great chances the past few seasons, but there's still reasons to believe that. Um, you know, Zach Wilson could have been in a similar situation just given the franchise he got drafted to. But I think in terms of reasonable expectations, you couldn't have asked for that much more out of Wilson. Like, yes, he struggled early, made some big mistakes, but that has to be expected for a rookie quarterback on the Jets on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And then to come out and show the poise he did late in the game to kind of come back, couple touchdown passes in the second half to Corey Davis um, to make this a ball game. I think that uh, that goes a long way for Zach Wilson. On the flip side, Sam Darnold, like, yeah, people are reacting to him playing well, but, I mean, it's the Jets. <laughs> like, they're not a yeah, great had, defense. Yeah, he had one long touchdown where... to Robbie, and then other than that, it was just a lot of a lot of screen passes to McCaffrey. I, I heard he had a career high in uh, deep ball passing going two for six. That's his career high. <laughs> career high, wow. I, Yeah, I mean, I came into the season with solid expectations for Sam Darnold, and you know, it's one game. I'm not going to say that he can't be a solid quarterback and can't have the Panthers in playoff contention, but he was supposed to, like, there were a lot of people who thought the Panthers could win in a blowout. Sam Darnold is going to embarrass the Jets, like this huge revenge game. And he played well, but the yeah, he Panthers didn't blow, barely he didn't won blow doors game. off though. So yeah, no, he didn't. So, um, and I expect him to not look as good next week against the Saints, who are a much better team than the Jets. Uh, and probably most of their schedule is a much better team than the Jets. So, yeah, I mean, if I were to look at this one, I'd say Jets fans should feel optimistic about Zach Wilson moving forward. That, that would also be my takeaway, too. Um, all right, so next one, uh, another young quarterback. There are some, uh, you know, questions. What to expect from Joe Burrow coming off that major knee injury? And... The Bengals come in and they beat the Vikings. Uh, 
came down literally to the end. Uh, overtime field goal as time expired. Now, you coming into the season were very high on the Vikings. I think really both of us, yeah, as well I mean, as Brian McAfee, I, I think we thought they could be a playoff Yeah, contender. so, I mean, Brian was the highest, but I definitely was high to an extent where, yes, I had him out of the playoffs, but I would, but still Just win, barely winning. Missing. Yeah, exactly. Winning record. Winning record, 9, nine and 8, eight 10 you'll seven. be in contention. Exactly. Yeah, I guess, does this loss of the Bengals, and I guess the way it played out, change your feelings on them at all? A little. Not, not a lot, but... Definitely a little because last year, them missing the playoffs, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they got off to a bad start and they were losing to teams that they should beat. And that's it, it looks like it's going to happen again after one week. And so, yeah, that's it's a little concerning for sure. I mean, not like, oh, I'm, I'm out on the Vikings, but it's, it's definitely a game that they should have won even though it was on the road against a decent offense. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, I mean, you look at his final stats, 36 for 49, 351 yards, two touchdowns. It didn't feel like he was playing all that great. Like, he looked uncomfortable. The offensive line, I thought, would be decent this year. They'd have some improvements. They drafted Christian Derrissaw. I thought their guys were a little older, maybe gel together a little better. And the Bengals' defense, like, not even the boldest of prognosticators thought they would improve this year. And they came out, and they were able to harass the Vikings and they they still played well on offense they still made some plays but it took them a while to get going they only had seven points until late in the third quarter so I I think there's reasons to be concerned about their offense and then defensively yeah I mean that's another one where you're bringing in a bunch of new players guys at least had been away for a year I know they re-signed a lot of guys from the 2019 defense but that was a big question mark was the defense they took a huge step backward last season Uh, you know what would they do Bengals are a solid offense. We all knew that. But uh there's I think that there's some reason to maybe be a little concerned about the Vikings. Yeah, I, I would I would also agree with that. De- minor concern, but not pressing the panic button just yet. Uh talking about the Bengals though. They they looked very good on offense. Their defense held up as much as they need. They have the pieces to be competitive. I don't think that they're gonna be a pushover this season. And it is kind of scary to think about, you know, yeah, the I, AFC I, North. And... I still kind of feel the same about the Bengals where I don't expect a lot from them in real life and I just think they're a lot better in fantasy football than, than in real life football. And I mean I thought I thought the Jamar Chase, uh the 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 crap that he was getting from fans about his preseason was so overblown. I and, I totally bought into all of that. When he's talking about like the, the white lines on the football not being able to see it, I was like, oh, this I'm, is great. Like, Jamar Chase I will be a say, bust. though, I mean, he hasn't played in a while. I mean, before that game, it had, I think it was two years, right? The, the national championship game. So, Parmy was maybe a little bit concerned about that. But, I mean, some guys just get off to the slow starts. I mean, a guy in this game, Justin Jefferson, he, he got off to a slow start last year. He had two catches. And for 26 yards in week one last year, and then three catches for 45 yards. And then after that, he was amazing. So I I don't know. Some guys just get off to slow starts. And, and, and I'll admit, maybe it's just one good game and maybe it goes, comes back down to earth and sucks again. But I don't know. I just thought it was uh, people overreacted a little bit too much on his, on his horrible preseason. So this game looked like it was going to be a tie for most of it. And... It came down to literally the last second of overtime when the Bengals won on a game-winning field goal. And I, I guess I was thinking about this as it was happening. And if there was one game in week one that I would have predicted to end in a tie, which happened in 2018 and 2019, so not unheard of to have a, a tie to start the season, I feel like I would have went with the Bengals and the Vikings. And 
I realized the Bang- that the Bengals had a tie last year, right? Or was yeah, it two they years ago? had a tie last season with the Eagles, and it, it occurred to me that not only do the Bengals tie a lot, they've tied ten of the last ties in the NFL. Four of them have involved the Bengals. They always tie with NFC teams because they had the Eagles last season and then back in 2008, the famous Donovan McNabb game. And they also tied with Carolina in 2014 and Washington in 2016. So, again, facing an NFC team in Minnesota made perfect sense that this game would have ended in a tie for the Bengals. So, in the end, it, it came down to their rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. So, if you remember last season... In week one, the Bengals should have gone to overtime against the Chargers, but Randy Bullock like tore his hamstring or something on a potential game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal at the end, and shanked because he's it, fat. And the Bengals lost. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Evan McPherson, rookie kicker, I believe from Florida, he nails the game winner in this one, only thirty-three yards, so basically an extra point. But the big reason why he made a game-winning kick there was because Mike Zimmer called a timeout and nullified what I think was a missed field goal by McPherson. So the the Bengals would have not scored there and it would have ended in a tie anyway. So I guess what are your thoughts on, I guess, icing the kicker and giving them that first field goal chance? I think it's just dumb. (laughs) Yeah, like I... I get icing the kicker and making him think about it longer, but you're just giving him a mulligan. You're giving him a practice kick, and if they I, miss I, it, how they I, can correct how things. How I look, look at it is, is if, uh, if, if you give the kicker another chance, then that gives him time to just relax, breathe, and, and then and then and slower slower their heart rate a little bit, and then and then put up a better kick. But if you just give them one kick, they're just thinking, "Oh my god, I, I can't miss this. I can't miss this." And then all of a sudden they do, and and so I would I would honestly never call a timeout uh in that situation maybe not never but very rarely i if i were a coach i like making them think about it for a little while but calling a timeout before they have a chance to snap the ball and get a a kick up if you're going to call a timeout exactly yeah all right let's move on to our next game the uh the seahawks they there are a lot of questions about their offense and uh, bringing in a new coordinator, how that would go. Would they let Russ cook? Well, he goes out and has a pretty solid game to start things out. Throws, I believe, all four of their touchdown passes, 254 yards, and the Seahawks go into Indianapolis, beat the Colts 28-16. to Again, that was only that close because Indy scored late in this one. So uh, feeling good about Seattle after one week? I mean, I, I my thoughts on the Seahawks haven't changed in a long time. Where it's yeah, I believe in their offense. W- Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and Metcalf and Lockett, both those guys are awesome. They're arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league, and I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that their their offense can get off to great starts in the season. We saw that last year where Russell Wilson was, if there was a first half MVP award, he would have gotten it, but. They they didn't perform well in the as great in the second half of the season, and then they lost immediately in the wild card round. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, they're off to a great start, but I don't. It's really just time will tell to see if the Seahawks can take that next step or not. Yeah, I I think the biggest overreaction anyone did uh, 
early last season was, uh, oh, Russell Wilson's never received an MVP vote. This is finally the year he's going to win it. And the, you know, oh, I, o- I overreacted big time last year on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of the same way. I was buying into it early. And of course, the Seahawks started to falter down the stretch and Wilson was totally irrelevant in the MVP race. And that could certainly happen this year. I agree with you in that I don't want to totally buy into the Seahawks. I already came into the season reasonably low on them and their ability to let Russ cook and keep him happy and everything. But there is um, one encouraging sign. So the Seahawks, I believe on 41% of all pass plays, ran play action, which was the second most of any team in the league on Sunday. And that was something that they really didn't do last year. So I do think that's a part like a big thing that Shane Waldron is going to bring to this offense and play action with Russell Wilson sounds like a recipe for success. So if they can keep that up, that'll certainly keep Wilson happy. Uh, One to stick around in Seattle and also give the, the Seahawks a great chance of being a Super Bowl contender this season. As for the Colts, uh, we were both pretty down on them. Uh, A lot of people felt like they were a Super Bowl contender this season. Neither of us even picked them to make the playoffs or really considered them. And I think a lot of it is just not believing in Carson Wentz and, uh, you know, some of the pieces around him. And I don't see any reason why that thought process would change after this game. Yeah, not not I don't think the Colts are going to stink, but I don't I don't love their chances this year. I I don't I don't. I just I don't trust Wentz to stay healthy for all 17 games. I mean, I think he has the upside to 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 get the Colts to the playoffs, especially if their defense can perform well and I don't know, if they get T.Y. Hilton back and I don't <laughs> if their running backs can stay healthy and all that and him, himself as well. But yeah, I'll admit I'm not super high on the Colts and yeah, they're not off to a great start. And honestly, looking at their schedule, they have a really tough stretch to start the year. It's the Seahawks in week one, but then it's the Rams the the Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Texans is the only guaranteed win basically, and then the Niners and the Titans again. So that's a really tough stretch of games to start out the season. Where outside of the Texans, basically all those teams are either playoff teams or borderline playoff teams. Yeah, that Titans Colts game in Week Three could be huge. They could both be zero and two going into it if uh, the Colts lose to the Rams and the Titans lose to the Seahawks, which. Uh, I think both, both of those are probably both both those teams are probably underdogs so, in those games. Uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that Carson Wentz was fine in this one. He he held his own. He didn't make many big mistakes. So um, the defense should be the strong suit of this team, and you know they weren't all that great either. They're missing a couple key guys. I think Darius Leonard might have had a, a big play in this one, but um, I don't know if it was a fumble recovery or just like a big sack or something. But outside of that, I mean, like the grand. So this is the kind of game where if the Colts are going to be a Super Bowl contender, you're facing a, a West Coast team one o'clock to start no. the season. You got to come out and uh, play much better than they did. So uh, I'm certainly not changing my tune on the Colts after this one. All right, let's move on to our next game. Uh, getting close to the end with the one o'clock slate, uh, the Chargers, Washington. So. Uh, one of the big stories in this one, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a hip subluxation. Um, don't exactly know what that is, but the rest of his season is now in jeopardy. He has been placed on IR. So I guess you picked the Washington football team to make the playoffs. Do you feel as confident with Taylor Heineke taking over for potentially you know a very long time? 
actually, yes, <laughs> I did. I did say I don't know if it was the last recording we did, but I, I do remember saying that even if it's Taylor Heineke, I, I'm still, I, I would still, I definitely have more confidence in Fitzpatrick, of course, but I would still feel just as fine with Taylor Heineke and just given how he performed last year versus Tampa in a really tough spot. I mean, it was, I think it was his first ever start or, yeah, first or ever second start ever start. In the playoff I, I mean, game. definitely his first playoff start for sure. And it was against a team that uh, was of course, not only good, but eventually won the Super Bowl, and they made it a game until the very end and they were not a great co- <laughs> coincidentally football team, no pun intended, but uh, they, I mean, yeah, Heineke was he was solid, and so and he was solid in his showing in Week One, and so I'm I'm fine with him for the time being. If if he ends up not playing great, then yeah, find another guy, trade for somebody. But for the time being, I'm fine with Heineke as a starter for now. Yeah, 11 to 15, 122 yards and a touchdown and a relief of Fitzpatrick. I yeah, I mean, I really liked Heineke in that playoff game. I thought he deserved every opportunity to be Washington's starting quarterback. It made sense for them ultimately to go out and sign a veteran I know like that Fitzpatrick. I, but. I know deep down I'm probably overrating him, especially since deep down, yeah, he's probably not that great. And Very small sample size. Uh, uh, re- yeah, uh, he probably is rightfully a backup, and I'm just trying to be optimistic about having the Washington football team still be in the playoffs. I still, I, Their defense is great, and I know they lost, but yeah, their defense is great, and I, I love their duo and Gibson and McLaurin and I'll admit most of it definitely was because uh, I thought Fitzmagic could help their offense be become more pass friendly and I'm just being again cautiously optimistic on Heineke I mean they did make the playoffs last season without um, a lot of positives at the quarterback play you didn't mention the defense they only got five pressures on yeah that that, so, so yeah even though I, I believe in their defense. Yeah, it was. I'll admit it wasn't perfect uh, in in week one. Like I mean, they only gave up twenty points, but yeah, I mean the the pressure is probably um, not as good as it should have been though. So you picked the Chargers to make the playoffs. Uh, did you expect them to win this game? And you also picked Washington. So, so no, I did not expect expect them to win this game. I thought Washington would would win. Yeah, I was surprised. But I would imagine I would imagine though if Fitzpatrick didn't get hurt, maybe there would have been a different result though. Justin Herbert played great in this one. Uh, I think. Yeah, he... I I didn't expect him to light up the stat sheet whatsoever, given who they were facing and going cross country from L.A. to Washington. But in terms of real life, uh, he, he was yeah he was great, uh, just given who he was facing. And so uh, I'm I'm confident. I'm a lot more confident in Herbert than I originally was when he came out uh, out of the draft. So good for him to get the win in week one so a big reason why I was down on the Chargers this season was a lot of it had to do with them just being the Chargers and nothing can go ever go well for them uh but in terms of just like actual football analysis I had a lot of concerns about them over you know just changing their coaching staff particularly on offense around Herbert not only a new head coach but also a new offensive coordinator a new quarterback coach and uh the results, at least in one game against a very good Washington defense, are promising for Herbert. And if I look at how this game played out, so the Chargers had two big turnovers. One of them was a fumble through the end zone that resulted in a Washington touchback. And another was a Justin Herbert red zone interception. 
and you know i'll admit the old chargers probably lose uh but they managed to win this game despite that like they managed they, they didn't uh snatch defeat from the jaws of victory so maybe that is a sign that the this chargers team does have enough right things going for them because talent wise i certainly agree with you that they can be a playoff contender this year and make the playoffs i think i just felt like fate was going to get in their way and uh, if i had to overreact to just a one game sample size it would be that things are actually going to go right for the chargers this season and they're going to be much better than i expected yeah i don't for this game i don't have really too many overreactions even with the Fitzpatrick injury I don't have any too too many overreactions one way or the other and so I'm still confident both teams making it all right so the last game from the one o'clock slate the Eagles and the Falcons this is a game where like I feel like going into it I would have loved to pick both teams to lose obviously one team had to win I thought that the Falcons playing at home uh kind of gave them you know as well as veteran quarterback and Matt Ryan gave them enough of an advantage but man they looked so bad in this one and Jalen Hurts looked great I don't know how much of that is the Falcons being terrible versus him being the real deal but there's certainly no reason to believe that the Eagles should be rushing to move on from Hurts and go get Deshaun Watson or a similar player like that yeah this season is all about for the Eagles I mean this season is all about evaluating what their offense looks like with Jalen Hurts at quarterback because I, I don't think they'll totally suck but they're not they're not going anywhere and I think I think more of it had to do with the just the Falcons are just dreadful I even know Hurts played really great I think the Falcons just did not show up whatsoever on both sides of the ball I thought I thought it would be a shootout it's kind of like the Cardinals Titans game where the road team showed up offensively and we thought the home team would as well and it'd be a shootout but the Falcons were even worse than the Titans at home. They 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 didn't show up offensively. I mean, Ridley and Kyle Pitts did not uh, really perform to what I thought they would in week one. Not a strong showing for Arthur Smith um, and his team and, and his coaching yeah, debut. Co- coincidentally, right. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, they, they got off to two um, early scoring drives where they drove deep into the Eagles' territory, had to settle for short field goals, and they just did nothing in the second half. So coming in the season, I did think that the Falcons being like a 7-10 and 10 team was kind of the worst case scenario because they weren't wouldn't be good enough to make the playoffs, but they also wouldn't be bad enough to set themselves up to you know really help out the rebuild, particularly when it comes to drafting a quarterback to move on from Matt Ryan. Um, but yeah, I mean, based on this performance, losing to an Eagles team that I did not have any expectations for, maybe they will actually be a really bad team this year um, and find themselves in... in similar spot that they were last year which seems crazy to think that a team that lost three games when they had like a 95 percent chance of winning could take a step backwards um so yeah i think it's easy to overreact to the one game and say the falcons are going to be absolutely terrible this year but at the same time i do think there's a chance the eagles be much better than i thought uh i still don't think they'll be a playoff team uh even contenders maybe a stretch but maybe they can get to seven eight wins and uh, at least look like a threat at uh various times this season yeah I, I i had them in the range of third place in the division and somewhere around six or seven wins something something like that all right let's move on to the sunday afternoon slate and let's start with a game that's very important to you one that i thought oh 
Brian, tell me what you thought watching Mac Jones on TV. But apparently you're in Gillette Stadium for this one. So I guess that that's my biggest thing is what is your thoughts? I know the Patriots lost by one point to the Dolphins, but what are your thoughts on like what you saw from the young quarterback and your your signs uh, you know, moving forward, how you feel about him? Yeah, I mean I mean, well, first of all, I'm not gonna take a more moral victory on this. Uh just I mean when when you lose at home against a division rival, uh one year after not having fans for 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 in a whole season, of course, because of COVID, it's not really a moral victory. But I will say though, the most the biggest positive takeaway from this game was was definitely Mac Jones. Not that Mac Jones looked amazing, but I thought he looked really solid. He completed over seventy percent of his passes. He made some nice throws. I, the one that I that was my favorite was the the wheel route to James White. It was a a perfect pass and. Uh, so he's definitely he definitely showed some upside in this game, and I'm glad they've moved on uh, with Mac Jones as a starter. Now, s- some people would disagree and think they should have kept Newton and start Newton, but I'll admit I I I just want to see how Mac Jones is, and right out of the gate he's looked he's looked pretty solid, and I think they have a potential uh, future franchise quarterback in him. I definitely feel more confident in him, and now in him now after seeing him in the preseason and. and hearing how he did in training camp and seeing him in week one. And so, yeah, they weren't, he wasn't uh, amazing, but he was definitely a solid in this game. And so I feel good about that, but the, I didn't feel good about the Patriots, though. It's it's overall. a tough one to lose because Mac Jones played very well. Uh, he didn't make any big mistakes, but you can't say that about the you know the rest of the team, particularly the running backs, with two big fumbles by the rookie you know sensation of the preseason standout, uh, Demondre Stevenson fumbling early. Oh yeah, Demondre Re- Re- <laughs> Stevenson was amazing in the preseason, but just yeah, his, his the few snaps he played was not good whatsoever, and. He, he he missed a, a bad block and Mac Jones nearly got lit up and then he had a yeah that fumble that was yeah not it was great. his but only carry as bad as his fumble was it wasn't as bad it wasn't as, as bad as Damian, Damian Harris which he yeah. had a really solid I, game a hundred yards but yeah that, course, that's what I feel bad about down. is that Damian Harris outside of Mac Jones he was probably their best player uh, on in, in week one for the Patriots uh, I like Damian Harris a lot he runs he runs hard every time he gets the ball unlike. Unlike Sony Michelle, who was great in college, but in, as as a member of the Patriots, I feel like he was never really a difference maker. Even though he, yes, he uh, was uh, a force in the 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 Super Bowl Super Bowl run for the Patriots when they beat the Chiefs and the Rams. I, I never really cared for Michelle as a as a pro for the Patriots, and so seeing Damian Harris is a little bit refreshing because he runs runs very hard and and he. He's, he's he was great, but yeah, the fumble was was certainly costly. Sony Michelle had a fumbling problem, right? No, I I don't. I, I, maybe at times, but I I thought he was fine there. It's just he just he 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 would get easily uh, tackled. He he didn't make he wouldn't he he wasn't a difference maker as a running back like he was at Georgia at all. Yeah, I guess I might be thinking of. Um somebody else but I, I was gonna say like i don't even know if bill's missing michelle because he probably would have fumbled the same way but uh yeah for damien harris he only fumbled once last season this is his first career loss fumble and he's gonna kind of start to develop a reputation when it happens at a big time like it did here so um i guess from the dolphin side 
a fellow Alabama quarterback, young guy, a lot of questions about Tua Tagovailoa. What can we expect from him? How did you feel about his week one performance? Honestly, I I thought he looked very average. I thought he looked just like he did last year. And yeah, I think I obviously thought and still think that he could improve on this year and make a big leap. But if he plays like he did, I know he, in the beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half, he led the, the Dolphins to touchdown drives. So he looked great on those drives, but I I felt overall he was just very average. He still looks afraid in the pocket. And I mean, he's not going to wow you with his size and uh, he doesn't, he's not like freakishly talented like Josh Allen or anything in terms of physical, physical uh, attributes, but I still think Tua can make a, a jump this year, but yeah, he, he didn't look great. I mean, he, he got the W though. I, I mean, I, there's still that with Tua where I mean, he's two and over as the Patriots, and people say he sucks. Well, if he sucks, how do the what are the Patriots? Are, <laughs> yeah. are we hot garbage? Like what? You know what I mean, though. Like if people say he sucks and he, he's two and over as the Patriots, like what? No, I I mean that's yeah, that, that, I totally understand that. I um I don't think that he sucks. I I do agree with you. Like he had his moments in this one, but he also. I mean, if if Damian Harris doesn't fumble, then we're talking about his interception where he just yeah he, that that he, was a brutal he was brutal pressured I mean, and I get you just trying that to throw it away but he yeah let it get he was definitely I definitely think he was trying to throw it away but because he's a lefty he had to turn all the way to his other side and then when he threw it he got hit and the ball didn't travel as far as he would have liked and then of course it got picked off yeah so. Um, I think that the the jury is definitely still out on Tua. He was facing a very solid Patriots defense. So, you know, as much as you can say that the Dolphins have won twice against the Patriots uh, with Tua quarterback, that is, uh, it's still it's still a very good team. So um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens next week when the Dolphins face the Bills in Miami because Buffalo is coming in off a loss and, uh, I guess as much as my heart says, oh, you know, two is going to play really well in this one, hand uh, Buffalo their second straight loss, my head keeps telling me that the Bills are going to come out and they're just going to dominate this one, win by yeah, double digits. Yeah, I, I, would, so. I would probably think the same way as well. And Yeah, so, I mean, good for the Dolphins to get the win and being sole possession. It was a huge place, win, yeah. I, when you're talking yeah. about a team that you're going to be competing for a playoff spot with, uh, you really got to come out and uh, get a win, especially on the road. I don't so. feel I don't feel like they, you know that cliche question, did this team win or did this team lose? I, I don't really feel like the Dolphins, I think they outcoached the Patriots. Uh, I didn't I didn't love the game plan early on for Mac Jones and the offense where I feel like they handcuffed them too much or I feel like they were way too careful at in the beginning of the game with Mac Jones where they, they were running the ball a lot and I felt like they were doing it too much and uh, to the point where it, it, they didn't really do much I mean they got the one touchdown with Aguilar but I don't know I, I feel like I feel like the Dolphins outcoached them and uh, I, I mean I don't know the, the Patriots they, they don't they don't look they didn't look great in week one and it's kind of disappointing just given how much they spent in the offseason on guys, which is something abnormal for the Patriots given their history. And then they spend a first round pick on a quarterback. And so, I mean, and then week one home opener, I don't know. I just, to, to lose that game, even if they won, it still didn't, they still didn't perform great in that game. And so are, are the Patriots just like everyone else now? Are they just this average team now that Brady's not there? I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, seven and nine last season. I think it's, yeah, you're kind of getting a dose of reality now with what it's like to be a fan of the 31 other teams for the most part. Um, it is, I, it's I a feel- deflating week one loss. It's one of those where it yeah. could go either way. But in the end, the standings, especially in terms of the division, that's a game where you feel so much better with a win, even if things weren't amazing on the field, like the yeah, Dolphins if, feel let, so much better winning that game than if they. Because if they won that game, people would just say, "Oh wow, Mac Jones, he's he's the next goat." Blah blah blah. But yeah. because they <laughs> lost, it's like, "Oh, oh yep. wow, that Harris fumble, that sucks," and we're 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 not going to be great this year. And yeah, so it's it's really a, <laughs> a lot of different feelings if you win or lose a game uh, like that. And I don't know, I don't. <sighs> That that game, that was a deflating loss. Just given that it was, I thought it would be a twenty four seventeen kind of game, and that game was basically everything I thought it would be until the the fumble. And uh, so they didn't make the plays they needed to at the end, and which is not typical of the Patriots. And I don't know. I feel like it's more than just not having Brady there because Mac Jones did look solid. Yeah, he's obviously not Tom Brady, which is really unfair to Mac Jones. But uh, he played well, but he's not Brady. But I feel like there are more other issues with their team. I mean, I've talked numerous times about how, yes, I like their weapons, but how good are their weapons really? I mean, I mean, I still think Jacoby Myers is, the, is their best receiver, and he's he's an undrafted guy. He's not some guy that they got off of day one in free agency. And so, uh, I, and John Smith flashed at times, but Hunter Hunter Henry, he, I didn't, I barely noticed them out there. And yeah, I didn't see anything they d- from Henry in this they, one. They don't. They don't have a guy like Edelman or Gronk that can routinely, routinely get open and move the chains. And they don't have that guy that can get open consistently. And that that worries me a little bit about about the Patriots. Yeah, I think that's a fair evaluation. Um, Nelson Aguilar, I did appreciate him catching a touchdown that wasn't like forty plus yards downfield. He showed that he can do more than just a deep ball. He was the leading receiver in this one. But again, you paid this guy a lot of money. Um, the expectation should be very high from him. So uh, I do understand. He, the he was the one the posit- He was one of the few positives. Uh, yeah, for sure for the Patriots in that game. So, so I'm good for him. I, I'll admit, I still worry about him dropping passes, but maybe their mindset for the Patriots was, all right, we can deal with the drop passes. We just need some skill at the position. And so that's probably what their mindset was in bringing in Aguilar is that, hey, we can work with him on on the drops. We, we got to get some actual skill, though, uh, at the receiver position. Yeah, he'll be important making plays for this offense and for Mac Jones, kind of like some of the receivers that he had in his uh, short college career at Alabama. Um, let's move on to the next game. Though. Yeah, so I'm sorry. No, no, it's talking. fine. Hey, we we uh, we're gonna talk a lot about the Patriots this season, and it'll uh, it'll be good good practice for you as uh, we don't <laughs> yeah. talk about every single game every week. But uh, let let's talk about our next game, and um, I'm a little excited to talk about this one. The uh, New Orleans Saints they take on the Green Bay Packers. They have to play in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. Jameis Winston, Saranac quarterback, going up against the reigning most valuable player. What happens? 148 yards, but five touchdown passes for Jameis. Aaron Rodgers throws two interceptions, and the Saints win 38-3. So I guess, would you rather start talking about Jameis or Aaron? Um. I think you're more excited to talk about Jameis, so I guess we'll go with that. All right, let's talk Saints. about let's talk about Jameis Winston. So I came into the season fully expecting the Saints to be a playoff team because I thought that even though they lost some guys, I thought defensively they still had enough solid pieces in place, 
And offensively, I thought their offense would be much more dynamic with Jameis Winston taking over for Drew Brees. And it's just one game, and uh, I don't know how much of it plays into what the uh, the other team was doing and some of their issues themselves. But I'm I'm certainly feeling good about the Saints just yeah, based on this. I, I don't blame you. I probably overrated the loss of Brees or underrated how Jameis would perform. But after seeing him in the preseason, he was the deserving starter, and so I I would say I felt more confident in the Saints. Uh, at the end of training camp than I did in early August. Uh, so I don't blame you for feeling confident about the Saints. Uh, yeah, and of course, yeah, Jameis, five touchdowns. But he, I'll admit, though, even even though he, even though he threw five touchdowns, he kind of didn't have to do a lot since he only had 148 passing yeah, yards. Yeah, I think it was the, so I guess, the fewest I guess we'll passing see, yards by a quarterback who threw five touchdowns in a game. Yeah, so I guess we'll see how he does in comeback mode, if that Oh, that that, yeah, that's fair. He um he didn't have a whole lot of pressure on him in this one, but yeah. I uh I I thought that was a very strong positive showing for him. Now there's certainly questions about Green Bay's defense. They have a new coordinator. Um, Zedaria Smith was limited most of the offseason. He's one of their best defensive players. So certainly some questions there, but I do think that the Saints took advantage. And I did not think that the Saints would win this game. I think if it was in New Orleans, I would have felt better. But having to go to Jacksonville, neutral site at best, probably more Packers fans than Saints fans, um, I think that was a very, very promising showing for New Orleans, very promising showing for Jameis Winston. Now, it does come with the caveat that Marshawn Lattimore is week-to-week. He got injured in this one. Eric McCoy, their starting center, also got injured. Uh, Marcus Davenport is someone who's hurt. He could end up missing some time. So not all great things for New Orleans. We'll see how that affects them. But I I certainly feel confident about my Saints playoff you know, prediction. I guess you wouldn't even yeah, throw them out there. Me. Do you do you feel like, okay, maybe you overlooked them at this point and like they're Yeah, a little yeah, a little bit. I definitely think they can be in the mix more than I did more than I believe that uh earlier uh before the season started sometime in August and I mean I I always thought they'd be second in the the division I don't I don't take Atlanta seriously at all and then Carolina is just a mediocre team to at best even with those weapons on offense but yeah I'll admit I probably should have considered the Saints a little bit more uh than I, I mean even though it's only one week I'll admit I probably should have considered them a little bit more than I did all right, so on the flip side, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, overreaction is it? Is Aaron Rodgers completely checked out? Is he already I, basically? Are we retired? gonna have? Are we gonna have the same two big overreactions? First with the Jags, but now with uh, the Packers. Because I mean, yeah, the, the Packers played so bad in that game. I mean, it is just one game, and I wouldn't overreact in terms of the division and making the playoffs and all that. Cause I still think they win double digit games and their division is the Vikings are good, but I mean, it's they should still, not a strong division. I mean, they're all in one. So <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. So they should still win the division and win double digit games. And I'm sure they'll be fine. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is thinking it's just one game R E L A X and all that crap. But I mean, would you be surprised at all if they get to the divisional round or NFC Championship game and just lose again? I wouldn't. I, I mean, I guess talk about an overreaction. I'd be surprised if they even get that far at this point. Like, what? yeah, in theory, if this is just like a hiccup, like you know, Aaron Rodgers just wasn't into it, but he's gonna turn around Monday Night Football. Throw he looked six touchdown he looked passes really, against Detroit, but he looked really uninterested in that game. Yeah, I mean, he looked like he just totally checked out. 
I know, uh, especially have, have, as they started to fall behind in that one. I mean, the the first interception was was kind of bad. The second one was just desperation. We're getting killed. Like, let's see what happens here. But their offense could not move the ball at all. I think when he they only had one third down conversion the whole game, and it was when Jordan Love was brought in in the fourth quarter because it was over. So the, yeah, they really offense, struggled. Their offense still rely. I know Aaron Rodgers won MVP last year, but their offense still relies way too much on Aaron Rodgers just pulling something out of his ass, making some ridiculous throw. I I, I don't know. Yeah. I think they rely a little bit too much on that. And I mean, I like, I like Adams and Jones are great, but I don't know about their, They're, I'm a little bit uh, worried about the rest of their offense. So one concern I had uh, that Brian McAfee on our NFC North preview episode kind of brushed aside was the offensive line, particularly losing Corey Lindsley to free agency, David Bakhtiari to an injury. Running the ball, 15 carries, 43 yards, 2.9 average. Aaron Jones, nine rushing yards on five carries. Like, I get that they couldn't really run the ball when they fell behind. They had to continue throwing it, but that's a huge factor is uh, this newer offensive line and the guys that stepping up for what was one of the best offensive lines in the league last season didn't do their part. So that's another reason why Rodgers would be frustrated too. Yeah, I'll admit I'm – Probably not uh, feeling as great about my Aaron Jones first round pickup uh, after hearing that, <laughs> yeah. but I still got confidence as, uh, in in him though. Yeah, I mean it. It really just comes down to how quickly they can turn it around. Like I said, they have a great opportunity with the Lions coming to Lambeau this week, but if they they look shaky and that game is uh, anything close, like if it doesn't look like a reversal of this game, then I think it's time to you know press the panic button and wonder how soon. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be on our TV every night instead of every Sunday because he's hosting Jeopardy instead of playing I football. Mean, I, I mean, my, my hot take was uh, none of the quarterbacks starting week one would, would would be starting week one next year. So I can see it. All right. Let's uh, talk about our next game as we kind of get close to wrapping up the afternoon slate. Broncos, Giants. And this is one where I kind of have mixed feelings about it because – I mean, the Broncos won 27 to 13. Giants scored late to make it even look that close. But I felt really good about the Broncos coming into the season. So I, I was happy that they won. I was really excited that Teddy Bridgewater played well because he was someone who I was very high on, thinking that he could turn Denver into a playoff team. Their defense played great. But at the same time, the Giants are such a disaster that I don't oh, even the, know the, how much to read into that. They're hopeless. I, I mean, <laughs> when we were talking about the East preview and Kenny talked about how much he hates this division rightfully so and i have said that i feel great about two of these teams and the eagles or whatever but the giants no hope whatsoever (laughs) absolutely not it's incredible to me just how every year this team doesn't matter how much talent you might think they have on either side of the ball they're just they're a train wreck i mean Uh, they've been awful ever since eli manning got to the point where he was just totally washed up and daniel jones has come in and not shown any signs of improvement ability to practice the ball he's played 28 games he already has his 30th career fumble 30 fumbles yeah that's what i was just about to bring up he it's absurd that daniel jones is yeah there's some athletic ability with daniel jones but way too uh way too turnover prone he gets He's way too jittery in the pocket, and they drafted a running back second overall. Their best receiver is super injury prone. Joe Judge is not ready to be a head coach. <laughs> Dave Gettleman is on the verge of getting Joe. fired. And uh, God, Joe it's, Judge, it's just bad. Gotta love. Oh yeah, I I was using not a, a fan challenge of the- on a 
a turnover, which is oh right, review. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I was not a fan of that hire the second they made that hire. It yeah, just... and I guess I didn't love your reasoning of not being a fan because he's a special teams coordinator and a Patriots. Yeah, wide that was coach. part of that was part of it. But if you ever hear him in press conferences, he's way too much of a a hardo. They all <laughs> these guys all think that they're the next Bill Belichick, and then yeah. they all suck. I mean, this is that was the case of Matt, Matt Patricia. Patricia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that the Joe Judge era is. Um, only a matter of time before that one's over. Like you said, the Dave Gettleman era. It's it's incredible to me. And you mentioned uh, Daniel Jones' athleticism. So on the play that he fumbled, they're down 17-7. to They have ball at like the 25-yard line going in for a score. First and 10, he gets a great scramble, picks up eight yards, and then he fumbles, lose it. Denver gets it. Giants don't have another chance until right at the end when he sneaks in a touchdown as time expires to make it look somewhat close. So, yeah, tough, tough start for Daniel Jones. But if you just talked about Dave Gettleman, look back at these last first-round picks. You mentioned Saquon Barkley, number two overall. That has looked like an absolute disaster. He won Rookie of the Year. He's a talented player. He can't stay on the field. And you can't take a running back with the second overall pick if you don't have everything else in place. See, the Uh, thing is, I've been against taking running backs in the first round, but... Thinking about it, it's like, all right, if you take a running back in the first round, like the 20s or, or even the early 30s, it's like, all right, it's not great, but I get it. But in the top five, it, it is kind of absurd. There are situations where it is worth it, and that was just not one of them. No. No, it was not the same as the Cowboys even taking Zeke with the fourth overall pick a couple years earlier, where like they had some pieces coming off a of lost season. He was able to come in and, you know, be a huge difference maker for them because Saquon winning rookie of the year didn't really mean anything for a team that just picked at the top of the draft the next year anyway. And then, I mean, Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins, you know, it's hard to say that was an oversight, but I mean, neither, neither of those Daniel Jones over Josh out. Allen, right? You know, That's Josh Allen, the, the pass rusher, not the quarterback. Yeah. And then Andrew Thomas with the fourth overall pick. Like I, I, he wasn't rated as the best tackle. No, there were either. four offensive linemen. Most people considered him the fourth. They take him above Tristan Wirfs, who starting right tackle for the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. He got to a bad Jr. start, but he, he, he looked great afterwards. Yeah, too. Jedrick Wills Jr., key part to arguably the best offensive line with Cleveland. And then yeah. Mekhi Becton, he got hurt this week, but he was far from the reason why the Jets were so terrible last season. It's it's just crazy how they continually make these picks where it's like they, they just get progressively worse and worse. And I, I think that it's uh, you know only a matter of time now before Dave Gettleman is and gone, they're probably playing- Joe Judge with him. And then this pass trap, their plan was to get Devontae Smith, and then all of a sudden, an in-division rival trades with another in-division yeah, rival to get right. Devontae Smith. So they had Smith. to trade back. And so they had to trade back, and, and so then they when get they trade back, Tony. let's just let's just take an, an, a receiver yep. that's a lot a lot worse than Devontae Smith. And I totally forgot the, about that at the position. Yeah. So that that one was brutal as well. Yeah. So I I had some hope for the Giants coming into the season that you know they had everything. Right, and I guess there's still a chance for Daniel Jones to turn it around, but I'm not confident at all after this. So, yeah, no. great great first win for the Broncos. They they beat up the Giants on the road like they should have, but I'm not really going to say, um, oh, yeah, even I was though, totally right about them being a playoff Yeah, team. even though I have the Broncos out of the playoffs, I would feel more confident in the Broncos with Bridgewater than with when they drew Locke just because sure. he's a lot less turnover prone. Yeah, I mean, maybe Locke has a higher ceiling, but... 
Bridgewater has a way higher floor. And I think oh, for, for a Broncos sure. team that has everything in place, like that's the, what you want. The one uh, thing to mention, though, that's really going to hurt them is uh, Jerry, Jerry Judy, Judy being yeah. out four to six weeks with a high That is spring. a tough that, loss. They do have a lot of weapons, but Judy, I mean, he's a huge difference maker. He's their, arguably I think, the number one. I think he's their best weapon on offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'll certainly be a big loss. Uh, real quickly, if you want to talk about overreactions, this is the start of like the – AP article on the uh, the ESPN page for the Broncos Giants score. So Teddy Bridgewater throws two touchdowns. Broncos pound Giants twenty seven to thirteen. And then the first paragraph for the first time since Peyton Manning retired after winning Super Bowl fifty, the Denver Broncos may have a quarterback. All it took was eleven tries. Like, all right, I guess they might have a quarterback, but how soon before you say this again? All it took was twelve tries a year from now. So. Uh, certainly optimistic that Teddy could be the guy, but I, I'm not ready to go all in just because of a win over the Giants. True. All right, so the last game of the Sunday afternoon, arguably the biggest game of the weekend, Kansas City Chiefs, Cleveland Browns. So I think that there are a few ways that I can look to attack this. Ultimately, Kansas City wins 33-29. to So I think the, the first thing in terms of an overreaction is – do we need to pump the brakes on Kansas City or do we need to rev up the gas on the Cleveland Browns? From your perspective as someone who was high on the Browns and maybe saw well, some I'm higher. concerns I mean, higher City. on the Chiefs, but it's it's expected because everyone... Yeah, but and of course, you you were the highest on the Browns of the three of us. And yeah. You were the one who yeah, pointed sure. out, hey, are we sure that Kansas City should be the favorite? Like, should we talk about maybe some weaknesses? I, 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 would, I would still pick Kansas City as the favorite, but yeah, I, I did say that the Browns have... I still have... S- have some chance of being a one seed, but definitely less after this game. But I expected them to lose this game. I didn't think uh, week one. Uh, Do you expect it to be as close as they did and having a lead most of the game like they did? I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. They got off to a hot start. I mean, they got, they definitely have talent offensively for sure. And then I'm not surprised that Mahomes and their offense made a comeback at all. So I'm not really that surprised. I guess I'm a little bit surprised. Baker didn't really do anything. He didn't throw any touchdowns. And the I, the, the pick he had at the end, that was another one where it's like, I, I think he was trying to throw it away. He's definitely because trying he, to throw it away. But because hit. he tumbled, it looked disastrous. And, I mean, yeah, so it's not a, great lo- not a great loss just given how much they were up by. But at the same time, it's it's Kansas City, so I, I get it. So, okay, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll actually have some – overreactions but first i'll start mm-hmm. off I with, yeah i don't have overreactions one way or the yeah, other so base, i'll start off with the browns and mm-hmm. they have talent i'm not naive when i you know i when i said that the browns missed the playoffs it had nothing to do with that it had everything to do with things just never seemed to go great for the browns and yeah but brian said the same thing where it's like they could have tom brady and every <laughs> all the yeah, hall which, of famers in their prime on their team and it won't go well i wouldn't go as far <laughs> as saying they're gonna be six and eleven competing with the bengals for third place in the division but this is a game where the browns really as it played out they had no business losing and yet they still did and why there were a couple big things in this one but one of them their punter the first time he's asked to th- go out there, drops the punt. That was bad. And I, I, I saw it that. coming the whole way. I know you weren't watching on TV because you were at the game, yeah. but I, I was watching, and just something about the angle. So they showed it from behind. Uh, I don't know if you saw the highlights, but 
I just was like, something bad is going to happen here. What happens? He just drops it, and then he's running around frantically. I don't know. He might have been able to kick it anyway, but just blown up, sets up the Chiefs for a game-winning score. That, and then, of course, the Baker Mayfield thing, where you'd be like, yeah, he was trying to throw it away, but again, he's trying to throw it away as he gets hit and ends up with an interception, and it's just bad things happen, and it's a game where the Browns should be frustrated about losing, and like, yes, you can say it's a moral victory, went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs and almost beat them, but in the end, they end up losing the game. Talent-wise, they should compete with the Kansas City Chiefs because they have so much talent on both sides of the ball. And in the end, they end up losing this. So, you know, if I'm going to, I guess, overreact to anything, it's say, exactly, this is what I was saying about the Browns. They're 0-1. Yeah, I the, know they I were mean, very close to being 1-0, but that, again, they lost. So. This is something that I eventually will expect. I just think that they can make a deeper run than than you guys that's that's really all it is like, i'm not i'm not picking <laughs> them to make or win the super bowl because yeah eventually they will be the browns and apparently it's earlier than expected yeah on the flip side though in terms of the Kansas city chiefs i do think that there should be reasons for concern and one thing that we did talk about on that afc west podcast was what do they have after Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. That was my biggest concern. When is it a major concern? No, but it is a little because it really is a drop off after Tyreek and Kelsey. Because if either of those guys go down, it's it they're not going to win the, the, the Hill, Super Bowl. Yeah, eleven catches, one hundred ninety-seven yards, and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, six M- catches, seventy-six yards, two Nicole, touchdowns. Nicole Hardman. I think the Chiefs are really trying as hard as they can to have him be that third guy, but he's just not that guy. One week in, I don't want to overreact to to him but one weekend it might not be he might not be the the third option that they're looking for no demarcus robinson and byron pringle aren't that guy either so yes they have two amazing you know first and second options but it's such a huge drop off from there that if one of those guys goes down even for just a couple weeks it could be huge in terms of them uh, you know, they're often taking a step backward and potentially cost them a number one seed and make their road to get back to the Super Bowl much more difficult than it needs to be. So it wasn't it was nitpicking. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're they're Super Bowl favorites or one of the Super Bowl favorites like they are every year. And if I have to poke holes anywhere, it would be that for sure. They're very top heavy. And, you know, the top-heavy talent, when it's on the field, it'll uh, it'll do wonders for you. But, I mean, look at the defense. No Tyron Matthew, no Frank Clark. The Browns had their way against them the entire first half. And Chris Davis stepped up later. You know, they, they corrected things. They, they made that big play um, for that interception late. But I think that was kind of expected. No Tyron Matthew on this defense. And the defense, they, they just couldn't get a stop of the Browns early in this one. So that's another thing on both sides of the ball. When they're missing those key guys, this Chiefs team isn't as dominant as they, they should be when they're fully healthy. Yeah, like they can they can win a Super Bowl again if their defense is middle of the pack as long as their offense is is amazing as it will as it's been for for these years. But yeah, if if they perform to blow average to bad like they did a few years ago, then yeah, they're not gonna win a Super Bowl this year. And so it comes down to those two things, in my opinion, really. So just one quick thing back to the Browns. Noel Odell Beckham Jr. Um, yeah, that 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 was that was definitely. I imagine that hurt the Browns a little bit. You think it hurts them? I mean, I know you and Brian think it helps that their offense uh, is actually better without them. I just think that was just a coincidence last year with 
just given that they got off to a slow start. That a little bit literally the moment he tears and then, his ACL, and Baker then, Mayfield becomes the better quarterback. Just a coincidence. Well, he was a game manager in November, but then the last six weeks of the year you know, into the playoffs, they looked. The, Baker was improving in that offense, and I'd imagine a lot of that had to do with just getting more comfortable with Stefanski's playbook. And I thought adding Odell would just make it even better for the Browns. And I mean, it, it hasn't been even proven yet because he hasn't gone on the field still. He's still yeah, he should be a positive, yet. but there yeah. is a. I think he's. I think he'll. He will be a positive, but. It, it's it obviously is, just a prediction. He could still be addition by subtraction. You know, we'll see when he finally gets onto the yeah. field. They play the Texans next week, so I don't even know if we can learn a whole lot in that one um, no. just yet. But I, mean, I think they play the Bears the week after as well, which I guess is a good transition into the Sunday night game. The Bears, for whatever reason, were on Sunday night football. Yeah, why the, the hell were they Rams. on Sunday night football? Just <laughs> had to get the Rams so far game. I, I don't know. Um but yeah, we we retreated to uh, a very awesome performance by our, you know, my and one of your MVP, at least top MVP picks, Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, the the Bears on uh, the flip side did not play all yes. that great with Andy Dalton no. and company. I don't know which one it is. Is it more of are the is the Rams offense that great or is the Bears just? I think the Bears' defense is overrated. Oh, I, I think I, they are. I think as their well. secondary is actually exploitable. I mean, I mean Cleo Mack is still there, and I imagine their front seven will still be pretty good. But I think their secondary is more exploitable than people realize. And so, that performance, especially with Dalton that quarterback, that performance did not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, Kyle Fuller, um, just straight up releasing him. I think it was a huge yep. loss for that um, secondary and. A lot of their guys that were so good in 2018, they're older now. And, uh, you know, their their defense needs to be very good. And, yes, the Rams could be one of the best offenses in the league, but that's not a very promising start for them. And it was like Andy Dalton, it wasn't like he was terrible. He he did okay. Uh, he completed a lot of his passes. He only threw that one red zone interception early, which was kind of tough. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Bears, I don't think that Justin Fields – can come in and fix this team. I think that their defense is, is really bad, and uh, they're not a playoff team regardless if he was playing quarterback just based on that yeah, one uh, game. Obviously, obviously, I like Fields, but if let's say he were to start the rest of the year, I would see it more as of a Deshaun Watson kind of thing where, yes, he's carrying the team and he's putting up all these great numbers, but is he really, is he really helping the Bears get to the playoffs that I would have more doubts about? Yeah, so I, I mean, I guess after one week, I uh, certainly feel good about the, the Rams offense and my expectation for them, but it is it is one thing to consider is just, you know, how yeah, bad the Bears defense I, might I, be. I mean, I thought Stafford and Cup were, it looked like they have been playing together for years. They had a great they, they were on the same page for basically that entire game, and so I love that, the connection between those two, and Stafford should have a great year. And, yeah, that Van I mean, Jefferson touchdown. That, that was an awesome throw. Shouldn't have been a touchdown. He should have been tagged down. Uh, another yeah. bad play by the Bears defense, but uh, certainly a a promising start for a the lot of blown attack. coverages by the Bears. Oh, I know, real bad. I mean, the two when, long when Cooper Cup had that that long touchdown, there was no one on the nobody. screen except him. Yep, nobody. So yeah, that's another thing where it's like, okay, yeah, the Rams will take advantage of the, that when it happens to them. But yeah, um, I, I'll admit, I as excited as I want to be about the Rams offense, just given how much both of us like the Rams, especially offensively. At the same time, we probably 
probably have to pump the brakes a little just because of who they feel. Yeah, I mean, you feel justified, but it's, you know, you're not going to overreact too, too much to exactly. this one. And the, the one thing, there is a concern with the rushing attack. Uh, I know they picked it up in the fourth quarter, but I think that they only had, like, 18 rushing yards as a team early in the third. So that that was always a concern when uh, Cam Akers tore his Achilles. Daryl Henderson Jr. ended up finishing with 70 yards total. Um, a lot of that came just, you know, running yeah, the football that- late garbage time that's how i felt about daryl henderson where it's i i I can see that i see the skill uh, in his game being a third round pick out of memphis and but yeah as a as a true workhorse that i'll admit i doubt a little bit and that's why they got sony michelle but i'll admit i think people have overrated sony michelle in the trade to the rams because when they hear the name if you're not a patriots fan you hear the name you think oh man georgia he he beat oklahoma he beat Oklahoma uh, with the the game winning touchdown, and he was so dynamic in college. But in the pros with the Patriots and his one game with the Rams, he's not even nearly the same running back as he was then. Yeah, he's definitely taken a step back over the years. Um, you know, hey, I like you mentioned earlier that strong Super Bowl run performance in the playoffs, but not as uh, even not even as much that, seasons. Even even that Rex Burkhead was arguably better than Michelle in, in that Super Bowl run, and so. You probably could have put put anyone in that position, and they would have put up the numbers that Michelle did. To be honest, and so yes, he helped them, but at the same time, it's like, was he really that? Was he really worth the first round pick? I don't, not not whatsoever. I don't think. Uh, so one last thought, I guess, while we're talking about Sunday night football game, what are your thoughts on Drew Brees? His uh his first couple performances for NBC. So I'll admit, I. I oh, missed you didn't? Most. Yeah. So you. Yeah. Probably... So I, I I caught the. The Thursday second night. half a little bit, but I but most yeah. I missed most of the game, so I didn't even. So you didn't see, see him at all on Thursday night. No, I I didn't. He's looking oh, good. Yeah. He's looking slim. He uh, a nice full head of hair, very much natural, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was I was impressed with him. I'm I'm excited to see where he goes from here. Um, I was like I was playing on my phone, like half watching um football night in america before the game and they were talking about the uh the saints and like how Jameis winston had a deep ball i was like oh that's what this offense has been missing i was like man that's kind of a, a tough shot at drew Brees. and then i look up and realize this breeze just said that i was like all right that that's funny on his part that's um, great yeah so I, i'm excited I mean, for him I, I mean it's not the same case but tony romo has been great in the booth oh yeah well uh, and so I, so I mean, and Drew Brees, I I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being great. Bold for... prediction. Um, this will be Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth last season. Their last game will be the Super Bowl, and then Mike Tirico, Drew Brees, and maybe even Tony Dungy will take over as the Sunday Night Broadcasting Crew next season. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes my, sense with the Super Bowl. Al, Al Michaels and and Collinsworth have been together for a while. And they have. Al They're Michaels is in his seventies, and yep. so. I can see it. Yeah, Collinsworth's been doing it for years as well. I mean, even before the Sunday night job. So I do think it, it makes sense that their time would be up. And uh makes sense. They they had Mike Tarico waiting in the wings for a while, brought in Drew Brees. They're ready to take over. And Mike Tarico does a great job in all sports, football, mm-hmm. hockey, basketball. Olympics, yeah. yeah Golf, yeah, everything, tennis. So. All right, let's uh, wrap up the football talk with our final 
game of the weekend. I don't know if it was the best game, but it's certainly the wildest. It was the wildest Monday game I've football. seen in a while. Yeah, so I was on a plane for most of the game. I didn't start watching until about eight minutes ago. So I was kind of catching up on Twitter just to see exactly how it got to the point where it was 17 to 17 when I first tuned in. But I... Um, I was debating whether I wanted to watch the rest of it, and I'm just laying in bed on my phone, and I just I couldn't stop. This this game was incredible. I had high expectations for the first uh, Raiders home game in front of uh, you know packed house in Vegas, and it certainly did not disappoint. It was so entertaining, and I mean, not a lot of smart football though. Even though the Raiders won, it was definitely a great victory for them coming from behind. <laughs> They're still a really stupid team. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that e- that ending was <laughs> So they get so Brian Edwards ends up catching the supposedly game winning touchdown, but even even when that happened in, in real time, I thought to myself, he he was down at the one yard. I thought yard he was line. down at the one as well. Yeah, and and then when they show it, yeah, like he was he was down at the one yard line. And then all of a sudden, I think it was second down because first down, Derek Carr tried to run it in and and he got stopped. I I mean, he might have gotten in, but they couldn't show it at all because there was just such a big pile that they just decided, you know what, it wasn't a touchdown. It didn't look didn't seem like it. But then second down, he tries to he tries to draw the Ravens players off sides for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden yeah, he, he causes his lineman to freaking freaking Leatherwood, who's not <laughs> doesn't not did not look good in his debut. Uh, no. he, he draws off sides or a false start, and so. They have to go back five yards. And then third down, he throws it to Willie Sneed, and all of a sudden it hits a, a Ravens corner in the face. And then it <laughs> goes up in the air, and the Ravens pick the, they get an interception. It's like, what the heck? They they ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown, yep. but then didn't. Then they have to back up five yards over a dumb penalty, and then they give up the ball. So that, that, that whole sequence was so absurd. And my first thought was, how the hell did Willie Sneed not catch that? But then all of a sudden, I see the replay, and Derek Carr's, uh, doing his best Randy Johnson fastball impersonation. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, it, he had no touch on the ball whatsoever not in, at that, all. In, he, in that moment. So it, it was one of those balls where, like, you could say Sneed probably should have caught it, but that was such a terrible pass for Carr. Yeah, that like, that was not – that was more on Should have been the game-winning touchdown yeah. there. Yeah. I don't I don't blame Sneed for missing no, that. No, not at all, especially he, from that close. Like, Yeah. He just, that, he that, that really was, that wasn't a good, That wasn't a good pass. And But then all of a sudden they get the ball back because yeah. Lamar is – he was, he was not careful with the ball at yep. all. No. And, and yes, his offensive line is not, it's not the best, but at the same time, Lamar's got to do a much better job of protecting the ball there. And so he had some costly turnovers at the end of the game that uh, was the reason why the Ravens lost. Yep. Yep. Two fumbles lost. Um, three fumbles total in this one. Uh, it was a tough performance for Lamar, but at the same time, his offensive line, which has been pretty solid the past couple seasons, has taken a huge step backwards. Yeah, it it was not good in, in this game. But a lot of that also had to do with the fact that the Raiders' uh, defensive line with with uh, with Nassib and Crosby, I mean, their D-line's underrated, actually. It is pretty solid, but do you know why... Those guys, particularly Max Crosby, had such an easy time getting to Lamar in the backfield. And why is that? Alejandro Villanueva. Oh, that's right. You Ravens. you did say yep. when I remember several several months ago, I tweeted or not tweeted. I I texted you a tweet saying that Al Villanueva is signing with the Ravens, and you just completely 
<laughs> completely shut on the Ravens for for that signing. And I'm thinking to myself, is he just saying that because Villanueva is going to a rival team and you didn't you don't like that, or if he really is done, or if he if, yeah if he really is not good anymore? And so far, uh, after one game, yeah, that was proven correct by you. Yeah, he was trending on Twitter earlier, uh, almost entirely. It was Ravens fans either saying, "I'm already done with Villanueva," you know. Steelers fans are right. He is washed. Uh, they, and then like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, the the Steelers get to face Villanueva twice this year. They don't play until December. I'm not sure that Villanueva is still going to be the starting right tackle that long. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I do agree. Like the Raiders' pass rush is great, and as much as I can laugh about it now, who do they play in week two? The Steelers and the Steelers' offensive tackles are kind of question marks themselves. So we'll see if uh, Crosby and Nassif keep it up. But they certainly had a, a really solid performance. The Raiders' pass rush, I thought, was going to be a big story heading into the season. They they brought in Yannick Ngokwe in free agency, which I think right, was a too. solid addition. Which again, well. against his former team, the Ravens, they lost Ngokwe and Matt Judon. So Marcus Peters torn ACL. Such a devastating. The, yeah, loss. the like, the Ravens. We talked about this before Week One started, where we were thinking to ourselves the Ravens are really trending down with these injuries. And mm-hmm. the thing was, I I want I still wanted to put them in my playoff picture just because they they still have plenty of talent and they're they're one of the better well coached teams in the league. Even if I'm not the biggest fan of John Harbaugh, like I'll admit, like they they've always had that same physical style, uh, pretty pretty well coach football team and still have some skill offensively both sides of the ball and so I didn't want to rule them out of the playoff picture and overreact to one injury especially since it was a running back but it's like oh man they they lose Dobbins then they lose Edwards and just so they're down to their fourth string running back and then the biggest injury of all yeah they lose Marcus Peters and yes he's wildly inconsistent but it's still a loss yeah, and, for sure. I mean, he's he's one of the top corners. I mean, him and Marlon Humphrey are one of the best cornerback duos in the league. So uh, I think that's a big loss for a defense that should be really good. Um, you know, we saw their their secondary had some – they allowed some plays to Derek Carr and the Raiders. I think that, that last touchdown was just the Ravens just <laughs> running out of the old Madden play, uh, engage eight, just trying to knock him out of yeah. field goal range and <laughs> end up with the touchdown. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the running backs. Latavius Murray and Tessan Williams both had rushing touchdowns. They still ran for 189 yards. 86 were Lamar, so more than 100 with the other running backs. So I'm not as concerned. I think with their offensive system, you can plug in pretty much anyone. And it's possible Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell have enough left in them that they can uh, make a, a big impact for this team It was so well. crazy just seeing them side by side on the sidelines because yeah. it's like, man, those two guys were really good five six years they ago, have and now- four running backs or well four players on their team who have ran for a thousand yards in the season with lamar jackson being one of them so yeah that's crazy yep yep so um that'll do it for our week one you know recap overreactions probably the only time we go through all 16 games we'll talk about other stuff you know other sports um we did this two years ago i was like trying to think we did it last year we didn't because the nba playoffs were going on at the same time we had more stuff to talk about um so yeah we'll, we'll definitely talk about more sports in addition to football moving forward but we did want to take some time to really um give every team their due at least for one week it's a it's a shame that yeah even though we're giving every team their due it's a shame that both of us not just one of us both of us were in a situation where we couldn't uh watch like all these games because we 
were in a, in a situation that prevented us from doing that. Did you get to watch Red Zone in the the parking lot? So no, like the only thing. Uh, so when I was watching, uh, when I was tailgating, uh, like I told you, there was one giant TV that showed Bill Steelers. Because that was the CBS game. Yeah, and then Kenny uh, had his phone out, and we were watching Jags ty- uh, Texans because he because he likes. He just Jags. found a so, stream. Uh, wait, say that again. Did he just find like a, a stream? Yeah, he found. Uh, yeah, he found a stream. And, yeah. So, and that was the game. What were his thoughts he, on uh, their performance? Uh, he he definitely wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, all around rough day for him. Um, anyway, before we totally wrap up this episode, I do have one, you know, some more more thoughts here. Just like one little quick segment to end this episode. Um, so we are recording this on. September 14th. So, um, happy birthday, Deshaun Watson. Uh, he was born on Thursday, September 14th, 1995. And just saying, I do have the right to take back those birthday wishes at any time in the next few months if something were to come up. But for now, I guess I'll give him a, a birthday shout out. His team won. He's 1 0. We're just talking about them beating the Jaguars. Um, Sunday, September 17th, 1995. Patrick Mahomes was born. Really good weekend for quarterbacks. You have a 2016 college football playoff champion, 2019 Super Bowl champion, two guys that when they're on the field are two of the best in the league. And make me feel old. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about that. Um, so the that same weekend on uh, Friday, September 15th, 1995, someone who's um, biggest quarterback prowess uh, was uh, leading his flag football team to victory on a, a last minute game winning touchdown drive only win of the season in a consolation game so uh, I guess I you know that that person was me so uh, if do you're I, listening do I have to, to sing this, you happy birthday no, right I don't I, want I know you it's your birthday, birthday. <laughs> I don't want you to if you're listening to this on September 15th when it came out it is my birthday and it is my 26th birthday so um kind of an unpopular opinion but I really don't like birthdays anymore oh I'm I'm with you <laughs> I ever since as I as you turned, get older it sucks yeah, it's not a okay. good day and like yeah, no. some people when, think it's a crazy thought this young, but I, I ever no, since I turned twenty two, I feel like it's downhill every year. No, it sucks. <laughs> okay, if, I, okay, if you're if you know if we were kids, uh, even yep. even high school, like, yeah, I I like the day a lot. But now being an adult, I mean, for me technically, I'm an adult in terms of uh, age wise, but not personality wise. Uh-huh. I still act like <laughs> a child. Yeah, but yeah, like as as. In, in mid twenties, no, this birthdays suck now. We're closer to thirty than we are to. 20. Oh my god, I hate that so much. Hate, hate it. Like I, I hadn't really thought about that until a few days ago when I'm like, I'm about to be twenty six, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I can't believe it. Like it, I, ever since once once you turn twenty one, you know, you're you're old enough to drink, go to bars legally, whatever. After that, it just all goes downhill. A lot of people try to say, oh, twenty five, you can rent a car, and like. I haven't rented a car at any point in my life. There's never a point when I was 23 and I was like, man, I really wish I could rent a car at a normal rate, but I'm not old enough. That's such an overrated thing. And then when you turn 26, like I need to get my own health insurance now. 
I officially can no longer be on my parents' plans. That's another thing that I have to worry about, something that I, I've been fortunate to not have to, and now that's that's something. So, yeah, turning 26 is actually a bad thing for that reason. Yep. And then, yeah, I mean, I guess what's the next birthday I look forward to? Is it turning 30? Is it having a big party for my 30th birthday, but then realizing, man, I'm 30 now? Like, that? that's not fun. No, that, that would... I would be more sad about that. Like, oh my God, I'm right? 30, no. I know. And then next thing you know, you're turning 40. And yeah, I guess I don't want to get too far ahead of myself with that. But birthdays, it's, I guess, so last episode we did top five weeks of the year. Uh, originally we were going to do top five days of the year. <laughs> Neither of us would have had our birthdays on our top five and no. not, I wouldn't put it in my bottom five, but in terms of significant days, it's, it's not very high up yeah, on the I, list. I, I, I'm 100% with you. That it, it's not the worst day. Like it's, it's, it's kind of nice. It's, people let you, people reach out to you, friends or family saying happy birthday and saying nice things and you get presents. But at the same time, at this age, you're thinking to myself, oh, my God, I'm another year older. That no, and then sucks. even the thing with people reaching out to you, like there are times where there are people that I want to wish me a happy birthday and they don't. And I'm like, does this mean I'm not friends with this person anymore? I'm going to make a huge deal about it. Or then on Facebook, I get birthday wishes from people from high school I haven't talked to in years. And I'm like, do I say thank you? Do I just pretend like it didn't happen? Like, it, it, That's just like a silly thing. But that's something that goes through my head all the time. And in terms of like celebrating them, I think I always make way too big of a deal out of my birthday than I need to. And a lot of times it's not even intentionally, but ever since my 21st birthday, all but one year, I have gotten way too drunk, thrown up, end up way too hungover. I'm just miserable the next day, totally ruins it, especially if it's on a Saturday and there's football the next day. Like a couple of years ago, my 24th birthday, I was in South Carolina, um, had a great day, The you know, watching us cover the spread against Alabama, fun time tailgating, hanging out with friends from school. Everybody was in town because it was a Bama game. But then that night I decided, oh, it's my birthday. Everyone buy me shots. We're going to have a great time. And then the next day I had all these plans to watch NFL football in bars and stuff. Instead, I'm watching on my friend's couch in between runs to the toilet to throw up. Like, it's just <laughs> like, and I, even last year, I just hanging out with a few friends, I managed to black out on my birthday at 25 years old. I'm like, what is wrong with me? So I'm trying to downplay it this year, but just knowing my track record, I'm sure that I'm going to end up regretting something that isn't even like a big deal. And the one year where I was actually like in control and didn't go like way too hard, I was in Las Vegas, which is like you would think is the, the last place, place where right? you're thinking about keeping control. I still don't know how um, I, I avoided doing that. But like, yeah, whenever I just celebrate in, in Raleigh or in Columbia, it just for whatever reason, it just doesn't end up being as, as fun as it should be for me. And I'm just way too, way too drunk, way too hungover. Uh, but at the same time, if I don't celebrate, I feel like I'm going to feel sad and be like, oh, like, you know, I, I should be like, this is my day. And I, I don't know. I just I psych myself no, out I, I, I birthdays have, all the time. I have very, very similar thoughts to yeah. that as well. Birth, I'm, birthdays. I'm, I'm glad. I uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like it is kind of an unpopular opinion. Um, you know, eventually I think people start to realize it. I don't know how soon other people do. But yeah, for me, it's it feels like it's kind of been downhill for a while now. And uh yeah, it's like one of those things where like birthdays are, you know, they're nice in some ways, but they're 
they're not nice in a lot of ways and it's it's kind of unfortunate so i i just i agree with everything you said i can't even add on to it because because i just (laughs) agree with every single thing you just said yeah yeah i mean you're you're six months ahead of me too so you're yeah i mean (laughs) you're you're half you're 26 and a half birthday i know that that, (laughs) i turned 26 and a half uh nine days ago oh my god yeah that's brutal so yeah anyway i did want to kind of give those thoughts to uh wrap up this episode felt timely to talk about it so that'll do it um we'll we'll have more episodes coming up we'll talk more football probably talk some baseball mlb playoffs getting close um you know eventually started and basketball hockey right around the corner we're certainly excited about those Um, but for my co-host brian wells i'm corn thanks everyone Thank you.